Corinth was located in what we call again today Greece. It was located towards the southern end of Greece, about 50, 40 miles south of the city of Athens. It was a city that was a fairly large city. Some estimate from 400,000 to perhaps up to 700,000 people were in the city of Corinth at this time. It was a city at the time that Paul's writing this letter to them that was very prosperous. And the reason that it was is because it was um, a major trade center. Welcome to Under the Fig Tree. Under the Fig Tree is a verse-by-verse study taught by Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We are currently studying through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Jeff. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brothers, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give you uh, some background as we begin to, to look and study this first letter to the Corinthians. And one of the things that helps us understand why Paul's writing to this church uh, about the characteristics of this church a good place to start whenever you read some of the epistles, when Paul's writing to the churches such as Corinth or uh, the churches of Galatia or perhaps uh, the, the church at Philippi, those kinds of letters, a good reference to go back and see how those churches were started. And we, of course, go back to the book of Acts. And that's a good place for us to start to get a little bit of background concerning how the church of Corinth was established and the ministry that took place there. We know from Acts chapters 16 through 18 that it speaks of Paul's second missionary journey. And as Paul set out on that journey, he would go back to those churches that him and Barnabas, that is, had established on their first missionary journey. And when Paul and Barnabas were on their first missionary journey, they would go and sail to Cyprus. Well, John Mark, the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark, he was with Barnabas, he was with Paul as they sailed to Cyprus. When they left that island and went up into that area of Pamphylia, what happened was this John Mark, who was from Jerusalem, abruptly just left. The Bible doesn't say specifically why he left Paul and Barnabas, but the indication is, as you read between the lines, is that perhaps he didn't want to travel with them because of the difficulty, perhaps he was afraid, but he took off on them. And so Paul and, of course, Barnabas uh, would then um, continue with their missionary journey. They would go into that area where Lystra, Iconium, and Derbe Paul would be stoned and left for dead at Derby. So it was a very difficult missionary journey. That would complete Paul's first missionary journey. And so they would go back to Antioch, kind of where the base of operation was for the Gentile uh, believers as revival first broke out there. They stayed there for about a year. When At the end of chapter 15 of the book of Acts, you see that Paul goes back to Barnabas and says, Listen, 
let's go back to those churches that we established a year ago and let's go check on them. And Barnabas said, great, let's do that. I'll call for John Mark. And Paul says, no, you won't. And Barnabas says, yes, I want to take him. Paul says, no, you don't. And at the end of chapter 15 of the book of Acts, it says that the division and the contention between Barnabas and Paul was so great that they parted ways. So what Barnabas did is that he took John Mark with him. He sailed to the island of Cyprus. Paul went back to those churches of Derby and Lystra and Iconium, and he took a young man with him named Silas. And so Silas is traveling with Paul. They go over to that area, to those churches they established on their first missionary journey. And as they're there, they meet a young man named Timothy. Timothy is introduced to Paul. Paul would recognize that Timothy had the calling of God on his life, that that God's hand was on Timothy. So Paul says, Timothy, why don't you travel with us? And so we see that as they would continue on in that missionary journey, that Paul would then be in Troash. He's desiring to go up into Asia, but the Spirit forbid them. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Paul, one night, as he's sleeping, he has a vision. And, of course, most of you know that it was the vision of a Macedonian man that was saying to Paul, come over here. So Paul knew that he was to set sail from Troash, go over to the continent of Europe in that area which is today called Greece. And so Paul, along with Silas, now with young Timothy, as well as Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, would go over and their first stop would be Philippi. And so as you read, the church of Philippi was established. It was the first church established on the continent of Europe. Paul would then move down to Thessalonica. He's making his way from that province of Macedonia down to Achaia. He's traveling southward. He would go, as you read your maps, some of them in the back of your Bible of his missionary journeys, he goes from Philippi to Thessalonica. He's there for a short time in Thessalonica. Then he would go to Berea. From Berea, he would then go to Athens. And, of course, we know that Athens was the most famous of cities next to Rome. It was the most considered the most sophisticated uh, city in all of the world. And Paul there would be in Athens. He would then travel alone, and then he would come into Corinth, which is about 40 miles south of Athens. And it's interesting that when Paul... Uh, would come into Corinth. He writes here in this epistle, we're going to see in chapter 2, that he says to them, you remember when I first came to you, that I came with much weakness and fear and trembling. In other words, he was saying, I was one tired, beat-up missionary, and he was. Because you know how when he was in Philippi, that he was beaten by rods and thrown in prison, him and Silas that he went to Thessalonica, that he was there a short time before they came and persecuted him and drove him out of Thessalonica. He went to Berea, and the Bereans, of course, were the ones known for searching the scriptures to see if these things were so that Paul was speaking about. And then from there, he would go to Athens, as you read in Acts chapter 17. And in Athens, he's on Mars Hill addressing the philosophers, and and many of the philosophers would mock Paul as he was speaking about the resurrection. And so he comes into Corinth. And he's tired, and he still is black and blue from the beating he took in Philippi. And he says, I was coming to you in weakness and fear and trembling. So Paul there in Corinth, what he would do is customarily he would 
go, uh, first of all, to the synagogue, if there was a synagogue in that city. And they didn't respond to the message that Paul was given, and that was Christ in him crucified. So Paul would leave the synagogue. He says, I'm going to leave you guys. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. He would go next door to a house that was owned by a man named Justice. Justice ends up getting saved. All of a sudden, revival breaks out in Corinth. And then Crispus, who is the ruler of the synagogue, and we don't know all the circumstances of Crispus getting saved, except that he did. But I can imagine that he's seeing this revival breaks out in the home of Justice next door to the synagogue. So he probably went over there to tell Paul off. And he goes over there, maybe perhaps he's just being convicted, but he goes over there and he gets saved. So Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, he gets saved as well. So all kinds of people are getting saved. And so Paul would stay in Corinth for a year and a half, according to Acts chapter 18, verse 11. And that would be a long time for Paul to stay in a city, only one other city that he stayed longer, and that was Ephesus. So Paul is there. He's making tents. He had met up with a couple, Aquila and Priscilla, that were tent makers as well. They would join Paul in laboring with him in ministry. And so Paul would eventually leave uh, Corinth, and that would take place when he was in Corinth in the years 51 and 52 A.D., so he eventually leaves the city of Corinth. That concludes his second missionary journey. He would pass through Ephesus on his way to Jerusalem. So he's in Jerusalem. After his visit in Jerusalem, he would then go back to Ephesus, and that would begin in Acts chapter 19, what is called Paul's third missionary journey. And there he made Ephesus his base of operation. He's there for two and a half and three years. He, he begins in the fall of 53 AD. So this is just about a year after he leaves the city of Corinth, after that church has been established. He's in Ephesus. In the early part, it is believed by historians that he's ministering there in Ephesus, that he would write a letter to the Corinthian believers. That letter is mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Now that letter is not 1 Corinthians here. That letter got lost. We don't have that letter. So we know that after that letter was written, then there would be from the household of Chloe a visit to Paul there in Ephesus. And Paul will learn that there's still problems in, that were taking place in the church of Corinth. And he would also receive some questions from the household of Chloe uh, from the Corinthian believers. So Paul, again, he's in Ephesus. He's already written a letter to them. All of a sudden, he gets a visit uh, from those in Corinth, and they said, there's still problems going on, and we have some questions for you, Paul. So Paul writes a second letter to them, and that is this letter here that is in the canon of Scripture called 1 Corinthians. That would be in about 54, 55 A.D. So this church is a young church. This church is only about four or five years old right now at this point. So they're young Christians. It's a young church. Paul is writing to them. And as we go through this letter that he writes to them, we're going to see that Paul's going to deal with the problems that were going on in the church of Corinth. There was problems, we will see, of division. There was problems of carnality. They were suing each other. They were ones that were misunderstanding concerning the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
They had questions about marriage. They had questions about their liberty in Christ. Do we eat meat that's been offered to idols? And so Paul is going to address the issues, the problems. He's going to answer their questions. And one of the things that we will see as we continue on in 1 Corinthians, he will say, now concerning this matter. So he's answering those questions that they had for him. And that's why the book of 1 Corinthians is so practical. Because Paul will be addressing many issues that were taking place in the church of Corinth, many issues that perhaps today you and I wonder about. So we're going to see that this book is going to address many things and it's going to be very practical for you and for me. So Paul there is in Ephesus, writes this letter to them known as 1 Corinthians. He gives it to Timothy. Timothy, you go back to Corinth, you deliver this letter to them. So that's what Timothy does. We get indication that Timothy would be the one carrying that letter from chapter 4 of this epistle as well as the last chapter. So Paul uh, would continue ministering in Ephesus. It would be Timothy that would come back to Paul and he would say, hey, there's still some major problems that are going on in the church of Corinth. And so it would be Paul at that time that he decides that he's going to visit the church of Corinth. And he describes that visit at that time in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 15, as a painful visit. It was a difficult visit. And so he then would leave, go back to Ephesus, continue to minister. Paul then writes a third letter to them. He gives it to another young man whose name is Titus. And you might recall his name as you look at the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy, and then there's Titus, another young uh, disciple of Paul, another young protege of Paul. And so Titus would take that letter, and Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 describes that letter, would grieve Paul to write to them because of his disciplinary nature. So it would be another corrective letter that he would write to them. The apostle then comes to the end of his ministry there in the city of Ephesus. And in Acts chapter 19, you read about how the silversmiths write it against Paul. They drive him out of Ephesus. Paul leaves Ephesus. He says, I need to find Titus. So he goes back to Troas. He's there looking for Titus in Troas. Now remember, back in those days, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have, you know, text messaging. They didn't have easy ways of communication. They didn't have Amber Alerts, any of those things. So he's looking for young Titus. He's concerned for his safety for whatever reason that, that he might be. And it might be simply because traveling was very difficult and dangerous back in those days. And what you would do is just go into town, and if there was any Christians there, hey, have you seen Titus? Have you seen Titus? No, he's not here. So what Paul does is he pushes on to Macedonia, and there he finds Titus, according to Second Timothy or Second Corinthians chapter two, who would bring good news um, about the general well-being of the Corinthian church. But he would bring some bad news as well. And the bad news was this, that there's a group of people that are calling themselves super apostles and prophets that have infiltrated the church at Corinth. They're undermining your ministry, Paul. They're saying, don't listen to Paul the apostle and listen to us. They were ones that boasted in their knowledge. They were ones that had this excellence of speech. They had great oratory skills, but they were ruling over the people. As a matter of fact, as you see in Second Corinthians, and as Paul would hear about those false apostles and prophets that had gone into the church of Corinth, 
he writes a fourth letter to them, and that's what's known as 2 Corinthians that's in our Bibles. And as you read 2 Corinthians, you see that Paul says that they punch you in the face and you put up with it. I mean, they were hitting the people, they were ruling over them with a heavy hand, and that's where Paul says, we're not here to rule over you, we're here to be helpers of your joy and to give you truth. So Paul, in that fourth letter that he would write to them, which is actually 2 Corinthians, and then he would go and visit them once again. That all takes place in about 56, 57 A.D. So from 51 A.D. to 57 A.D., Paul paid a lot of attention to the church at Corinth. He had visited them twice. He wrote four letters to them. And so Paul, as we see 1 Corinthians here written to them, he writes, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, through the will of God. So Paul was establishing his apostolic authority. It's not a self-imposed title like some that were undermining Paul's ministry. And it wasn't just in the church of Corinth. It was some of the other churches that he had established as well. But he would say in his greetings here to Corinth and to other churches, I'm called by God in this apostolic ministry. I am called by God. It's by the will of God. And so it's interesting to look at the different relationships that Paul had with the different churches there uh, in uh, his missionary journeys. We've talked a little bit about that, haven't we? The Church of Philippi, that, that epistle that he wrote to them that we looked at. And as we looked at that letter, Paul had a very special relationship with the Church of Philippi, didn't he? They really supported Paul. They gave to Paul. They were ones that loved Paul, and they expressed that love. They had a deep concern for Paul, and Paul knew that. So he would say to them, you don't need to be concerned about me because my situation that I am in, being in prison, is for the furtherance of the gospel. So the church of Philippi, the people, were very close to Paul and very supportive to him. As we went over the epistle to the Colossian believers, we know that Paul didn't know many of the Christians there in Colossae because he did not establish that church. He had never been to the city of Colossae. He knew some of the Christians there, but yet he commends them as he hears about their faith and about their love. The church at Corinth, even though there was much success, that is, that many people got saved in the city of Corinth, the church exploded and it grew and God was working, the Corinthian believers kind of held Paul out at arm's length. When Paul went into the city of Corinth, he was making tents. Again, he met up with Aquila and Priscilla, who were tent makers as well. And even though the church grew, and even though there were many people getting saved, Paul continued to make tents for a year and a half in that city. He did not receive any support from them. And so he's going to talk about that when we get further in this letter. He's going to talk about the liberty that he had to be supported by them. He says, don't you know, muzzle an ox as he treads out the grain. But I chose, he says, not to receive from you because I didn't want to stumble any of you. So they kind of held Paul out at arm's length. They weren't very giving. We know that when Paul was desiring to take a gift up to Jerusalem, that it was the churches of Macedonia that were given, given out of their poverty, but yet the church at Corinth, they were ones that they weren't quite as ready or willing to give as some of the other churches. And so Paul, even in 2 Corinthians, as they were receiving these false apostles and prophets, he's talking to them. And again, that 
it was those false apostles and prophets that were saying, hey, don't listen to Paul. You know what? You need to listen to us. And Paul would say to them that the more that I love you guys, the less I'm loved by you. And to me, that's an amazing statement. That the more I love you guys, because Paul the Apostle loved this church enough to where in a few short years, he visits them twice. He writes four letters to them. They're corrective letters. They weren't easy letters. They grieved him to write those letters. And I want to bring this point out because when we love people and care about them, we give them truth. We love them enough to give them truth even when it's not easy, even when it grieves us to bring correction to them. As we bring uh, the word of God and truth to them, knowing that they're perhaps not going to receive it very favorably. But we do it because we love others. And perhaps there are those in your life that you can say that the more that I love you, the less I am loved by you. Because you love them enough to give them the truth of God's word, to bring correction to them, to see them desire to walk with the Lord closely. And that will take place in your life and in my life as well as we minister to others. And Paul, he loved that church. He loved the people there. And he loved them enough to make sure that they had the truth and that he loved them enough to write this correction to them, even though they would hold him out at arm's length, even though it ended up that he says that you love me less. And so Paul here, giving them uh, this, this letters in 1 Corinthians, we will see that he would write to them and bring correction to them. Now, the city of Corinth was a very interesting place in and of itself. To give you a little bit of background about the city of Corinth, is going to help us tremendously to understand why they struggled in some of the areas that they did, why they struggled with carnality and the different issues that Paul's going to address uh, with them as we go through this letter. Corinth was located in what we call again today Greece. It was located towards the southern end of Greece, again, about 50, 40 miles south of the city of Athens. It was a city that was a fairly large city. Some estimate from 400,000 to perhaps up to 700,000 people were in the city of Corinth at this time. It was a city at the time that Paul's writing this letter to them that was very prosperous, prosperous economically. It was an entertainment uh, center. It was one that was considered a very exciting city as well. And the reason that it was is because it was um, a major trade center. There would be those ships that would come into Corinth. Now, Corinth, and again, some of you perhaps have maps in the back of your Bible that you can look at, but Greece, as it comes down, it comes down to a very little, narrow band of land. Let's call it Isthmus. And that band of land is only four miles wide, and that's where the city of Corinth was located. On the west side was the Adriatic Sea. On the east side is the Aegean Sea. And what would happen is, is that sailors sailing around Greece, they would come through the Adriatic Sea, coming over uh, from, from Rome or other parts of Europe. They would be in the Adriatic Sea, and they would come sail into Corinth, into the port there. And instead of going around then, around the southern part of Greece and having to come back up into the Aegean Sea, what they actually did is they took these ships and they lifted them out of the waters and they put them on rollers. And these rollers, they would roll across this four-mile band of land that separated the two seas. It's, it's kind of like 
North America, Central America, and you come down to Panama, there's that little band of land that separates the Pacific Ocean from the Atlantic Ocean. And now there's a canal there so you can cut through instead of having to go all the way around South America. Well, to a smaller scale, what separated those two seas, the Adriatic Sea to the west and the Aegean Sea to the east, was that little band of land, four miles. They took the ships out, they put them on rollers, and they would roll them across the land and then put them on the other side. It would be very, very dangerous, particularly in the wintertime, for those sailors to continue to sail around the southern end of Greece. There would be storms all the time. Ships would go down into the ocean. It would be very, very dangerous. So what they did is they decided to make a way for these rollers that they would roll the ships across the land in Corinth. And because of that, and of course they don't do that today. Today they've made a canal so they can cut through there. But as a result of all these ships and merchants coming into the city of Corinth, it became a very prosperous city. It, it was a city uh, that had a lot of activity, a lot of travelers coming through. But as a result of that as well, it became a very wicked city, a very worldly and carnal city. It was a place that was filled with pagan worship. Thank you for joining us on Under the Fig Tree. If you would like a copy of today's study please call us and ask for the message with today's date. Our phone number is 970-330-1717. That number again, 970-330-1717. If you prefer, you can write us at 2602 West 27th Street, Greeley, Colorado, 80634. You can also visit us online at ccgreeley.com. Under the Fig Tree is brought to you by Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We invite you to join with us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. and our Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Please join with us next time as we continue to study the Bible together on Under the Fig Tree.